welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On today's episode of our daily NYFF 59 edition, NYFF director Eugene Hernandez sits down with director Mike Mills and actors Joaquin Phoenix and Molly Webster to discuss Come On, Come On, a selection in the spotlight section of this year's festival. After gracing audiences with Beginners and 20th Century Women, writer-director Mike Mills returns with another warm, insightful, and gratifyingly askew portrait of American family life. A soulful Joaquin Phoenix plays Johnny, a kind-hearted radio journalist deep into a project in which he interviews children across the U.S. about our world's uncertain future. His sister Viv, a marvelously intuitive Gabby Hoffman, asks him to watch her nine-year-old son Jesse, played by Woody Norman, in one of the most affecting breakout child performances in years, while she tends to the child's father, who's suffering from mental health issues. After agreeing, Johnny finds himself connecting with his nephew in ways he hadn't expected, ultimately taking Jesse with him on a journey from Los Angeles to New York to New Orleans. Anchored by three remarkable actors, Come On, Come On is a gentle yet impeccably crafted drama about coming to terms with personal trauma and historical legacies. To learn more and get tickets for this year's NYFF, taking place through October 10th, indoors and outdoors throughout New York City, visit filmlink.org. Enjoy this conversation with Mike Mills, Joaquin Phoenix, and Molly Webster. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, congratulations. Thanks so much. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the conversations with these kids. Um, you know, just listening to the to the voiceovers at the voice voiceovers at the end over the credits. Um, it just really like kind of anchors so much of what what the movie kind of springs from. And I'll ask you later about sort of where it, where the ideas came from. But I'd love to know more about just how the three of you engaged with all the kids we see on the screen and how you you know kind of just sat with them and the conversations and how that came about. How you found the kids that you would talk to. Um, uh, Kari Pitkin who is a, does radio. Radio Rookies as a WNYC show as a producer helped us find the kids. And we were really helped by um, a few different schools, like uh, the Bog School in Detroit, Homer Plessy School in New Orleans. What was the PS um, in New York City? And there was an amazing teacher and principal there who mm -hmm. helped us find the kids you, you saw from New York City. And uh, she went and like met them, did a little quick interview mm -hmm. and then we show up right. <laughs> uh, as small as we can and as sort yeah. of I don't know um, sensitively as we can um, but the it, that part was really fun and I think really expansive and really helped the rest of the filmmaking because you're just about being there and aware and present with these younger people who you are a visitor in their home. Mm -hmm. So it like really heightens your sensitivity and your sensitivity to all the different like power things that are going on. And um, I don't know, it was, it was like a very enlivening part of the whole thing. I read that you shot the film in sequence. Um, where did the interviews or these conversations with the kids fit in that sequence? So, so with like uh, Woody, the the kid in our film, he's only nine when we shot that. So, like child labor laws, you can only shoot for some hours a day. So we would just pop and go find a kid to interview <laughs> in a place, often really weird places, or their home. Um, and it was a lot of um, uh, our our AD Rachel Jensen did an amazing job of making that all work because it was quite a feat. 
Um, so they happened while we're shooting in New York City, and then okay. they went to New Orleans, and we went to Detroit. And is it like the two of you talking to them, and then Mike is kind of hanging back documenting it, or how much of that is is he provoking, or, or how were those conversations? I'm, I am going to go. Yeah. We did... Um, uh, we did like a lot of prep, like thinking about what questions we wanted to ask and like why. Yeah. But then once we got there, we just followed the interview, I guess. And some of them we did together. And then some of them we flew solo and and uh, reported back to each other later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did talking with them change the way you kind of thought about or like how you how you, where you sort of thought the the, the, the story was going to go? How did their their responses because they anchor the film so beautifully and I wonder how their what they were telling the two of you and you like how, how that changed sort of the the trajectory if you're shooting in sequence well I remember like we did kind of shift the the questions a little bit to kind of echo or resonate with where we were in the story just a little bit and like I, like you said we shot an order so it's kind of easy like oh we're really feeling this right now in the narrative part of the film let's ask a question in that direction but I really didn't want to use the kids to sort of like elucidate what was happening with the with the narrative characters. I wanted them to kind of be their own movie a little bit and yeah. to have their own volition a little bit or yeah. their own voice and not be in service of the narrative part of the film, but to be sort of like the secondary thing that sort of adds, you know, rather than like supports. Yeah. So um, I know your dad, Mike, um, did, did the did the original ideas for this, for Come On, Come On, come from your own conversations with your own kid or how, how did that what which came first I guess did you have the idea and then yeah I mean I I really feel like my only chance of making a decent movie is coming from something I've seen a lot and have a relationship with so one night I was giving Hopper a bath and I was like I, I think I might make a film about giving you a bath and <laughs> uh and I, I mean, my kid's very funny and they said they they said oh do you mean like when you when people are really big and you can never capture them all, but then you get like one slice of, slice of them in a film, maybe? And I was like, wait, did you hear me say that? And he's like, yeah, you do that all the time. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, so yeah, no, I totally, it started there. It started, and not just my relationship with my kid, but all the kids that my kid has brought me to, and all the people around those kids, other moms especially, dads, parents, teachers, like it's a world that's meant a lot to me, yeah. Um, I was I was just so taken with with, um, with Woody Norman, um, and I know Woody's not here. I was thinking maybe um, maybe Joaquin, you could tell us what Woody was like. He's just like such a a force. Like just watching him, he just kind of is brilliant to look at on screen and listen to. First, I'm gonna my pants were like the right length when I was standing up. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm sitting down, I'm gonna adjust them. <laughs> And uh, hi, everybody. Good evening. Nice to, nice to see you all. Thanks so much for being here. It's surprising to see so many people. It's really nice. Um, Woody. Yeah, I mean, uh, first, I don't know if you all know this, but he's English. Um, so uh, it's pretty shocking um, because he does an American accent so convincingly. Um, but let's see, We, uh, I think it was apparent almost immediately that we were dealing with somebody that was highly intelligent um, and very sensitive and thoughtful and really understood this character and what Jesse goes through, 
what he is going through. Um, and I think in kind of one of our first, our first meeting, actually, kind of first audition, I, I guess, there was a moment where we were doing a scene. I can't remember precisely what it was, but he kind of went off on his own with something, kind of ad-libbed something. Yeah. And me and Mills both were like, really struck by it because um, it really exhibited an intelligence about the character um, that I don't think that I kind of expected, right? It's one thing if somebody's kind of doing lines and, but I, I was really kind of struck by that. I think we both looked at each other and were like, oh, he actually understands what this character is going through. He understands it like in a way that also that we don't, right? <laughs> Which was, really amazing and I think what, what you want. Um, so I, I was, yeah, I was really um, Im impressed with him. Um, and I think he became in some ways, well, certainly for, for me, um, kind of the, the barometer for authenticity when it comes to acting. Um, I think it's something that Mills and I were aware of, obviously going into it, that we wanted this to feel authentic and, and natural, but we didn't want it to be like naturalistic acting. I don't know how to <laughs> explain it, but it's kind of like a style of acting. That's, and um, <clears throat> and it's like acting, but you act natural or something. And, um, and I was like, fuck, I don't know. Oh man, I don't know how to do that. How are we gonna do this? And then I, I had this like example of how to do it every day. Um, and so it was like a, a constant reminder for me of what we were aiming for and what is uh, authentic and really captures, I think, the the voice, if you will, um, for the, for this film. So, um, uh, you know, Woody was really, you know, my guide in in, in many ways uh, th through this. I, I think a, a big part of this process for me was um, was listening to him and and reacting to him and think. Mills was so amazing at kind of creating this space where he felt comfortable to express himself um, and to express the character uh, uh, of Jesse. And um, yeah, so he's all right. <laughs> <laughs>and then I was like, oh, he's kind of like moving into the scene. And then I was like, oh, okay, I better stay committed. I'm gonna like move into the scene too. But I thought we were just working something out. And then all of a sudden Mike was like, okay, great. And then, and then, uh, and then Joaquin was like, you didn't know that was happening, did you? I was like, I had no idea. And I was like, let's keep doing that. Like, no idea. Yeah.
I think you want to, I mean, I'm happy if it feels like you're playing, you don't, there's no stakes and everyone feels like quite free and there's like, you know, failures invited and all that kind of stuff. It, and, and especially I think when we first met Woody, we, we met Woody together, like, and uh, we realized really quickly, like Woody thrives under freedom, you know, like Woody presents so many amazing options and he's really so smart and dead on. And it's not like people, we did some press today, people like, what was it like working with a kid? And I was like, um, you mean Joaquin? Like, I don't know what you mean. Like, um, like Woody's not that at all. And, um, it's, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Oh, um, Did you just come up with that? It's, <laughs> you've been working on it. In the shower, I work on these That's things. Good. Yeah. Um, Gabby's not here on stage with us. Hat tip to her. Um, yeah. You want to share a little bit about her, too? You want to share a little bit about her? About Gabby? Um, she's also all right, right? I feel like she's okay. <laughs> um, Gabby, I really, I've always wanted to work with Gabby. I feel like she's brilliant. Every time I've seen her in Transparent or Girls, I was like, whoa. You know, like, um, that was real. You know, that was completely surprising. That was without any tropes or anything. And when I, I always, I dreamed of Joaquin being this, and then I just sort of had this image of them two together, and they felt like so familial. And, and I don't know, I had this hunch that they would like have a similar cosmos. And um, oh, it was so lovely. I, I adore Gabby. I adore all the conversations we had around the script. Uh, I still adore all the conversations that we have. Uh, she's an amazing mom. It was so great to infuse the film with her own experiences. Um, funny as hell, and um, just really brilliant, you know. I was I was saying in the intro that I guess I watched the movie a certain way in light of sort of the world we've all been living in the last year and a half or so. These questions about the future, as I said in the intro, you couldn't have, you know, you you didn't write the movie or think about the movie with that foresight of what we were about to all go through, but I wonder how you, if you think about it differently, um, because I, I feel like the kind of conversations that we had, we talked in Telluride when the movie played, and I, I felt like people were, were really connecting with the movie um, because of some of these questions you're asking about the future and in the moment that we're watching it in. Yeah. So do you see it differently than kind of your original yeah. thoughts? Well, movies are so trippy, right? <laughs> and your reactions to them are truly trippy and subjective. Like I just watched a little bit tonight and had like a completely different experience than I've ever had watching the movie. And I've watched it like hundreds of times. What way? I can't explain it to you. <laughs> Some personal shit that's going on in my life really like resonated in the Got screen it. in a way that completely shocked me. And I was like bawling up there, you know? Uh, so movies do that to everyone. Um, to me, this is like a post-2016 film. This film was written in the, like, the debris field of the Trump times and like thinking about that right. and like our place in that. And so it's kind of similar related, yeah. but like thinking about the future, it really came from that moment. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of time left. I will allow quickly one or maybe two questions, but very brief, short question. The question is about uh, the choice to make the film in black and white. There's a bunch of reasons. Um, I love black and white films. I adore them. I feel like they're a slightly different species, and I've always wanted to go play with that species. 
And then in my head, so yeah, this film has a lot of documentary qualities to it. And it's very much in the real now to me, but it's also like a fable. I kept seeing the figure of the big man and the kid together and it felt like an archetypal image or like a fairy tale almost about man and child. And I wanted to enhance that. And I feel like black and white pulls you out of reality. It's, it's an abstraction that kind of enhances that. And my head, like as a filmmaker, at least me, I have to like convince myself to do the film. So it's like, uh, oh, it's like a drawing, not a painting. And somehow that meant a lot to me. It's like, it's very quick, it's ephemeral, it's, it's intimate. And so those qualities meant a lot to me. Mm. It helped me feel like, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> okay, we'll just do one. Thank you, one more, oh goodness. How about okay. way up there? Yes, you, you pick. Do you, yeah, with the white mask, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, are you really into doorways? No one asked me to enter, so I can't go in. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a vampire, and there it was revealed. Um, you guys all know Ozu, right? I'm just pretty addicted to Ozu, and, and Gordon Willis, who does that a lot. And I find it, it's sort of like a replication of what it is to watch a movie. You're like watching the scene, like you all are watching the movie. I'm, I, I'm always attracted to that. Someone asked me that earlier today, and I was kind of like, Oh, you know that? Because <laughs> I do it fairly unconsciously. It's just like a, I just love that moving in through a doorway. I'll try to change. Oh, don't Get do some that. more moves. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one more quick one and then we're done. Sorry. We, you want to pick? There was a, yeah, with the oh, orange. Someone. Yeah, hi. With a hat. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Ah, soundtrack. The process of the soundtrack. Um, so it's the Desner Brothers. They are in this band called The National, and they're really lovely, brilliant people. And that music is really so the movie to me, like the heart of the movie. And we did a lot of different stuff, and I was horrible. And like, go over there, and they happily go over there. Go over there, and they go over there. And, and finally, like, Mike, what about this? And I was like, oh, God, that's like really the feeling. So it was a lot of, they did so much stuff. Um, and it was over Overcast, too, so it was like, very weird process and luckily they're lovely and and um we did a long project together so we kind of had some mm -hmm. stuff between us and aaron desner's daughter gave me the story of the orphan like she does that orphan game and i wrote some of it while working with them on their record so like it, it was very integrated thank you very much everybody uh, thank you everyone thank for coming you. thank you Enjoying NYFF? Don't miss festival selections opening soon at Film at Lincoln Center, including Todd Haynes' The Velvet Underground, Mia Hansen Lowe's Bergman Island, the late Melvin Van Peebles' Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song in a new 4K restoration, and much more. For tickets and more info, visit filmlink.org.